0: Montana rolling out the right, looking toward the end zone, throwing under pressure, throws his pass, caught by Clark, Clark got a touchdown, Troy Clark has it. it's a touchdown for the 49ers!
1: Listening to the fourth and gold podcast with Javi and Matt.
2: Welcome to the fourth and gold podcast. We are back. The 49ers are 11 and 2 and headed back home after a major road win in New Orleans versus the Saints. Uh, They take on the Atlanta Falcons who are 4 and 9 coming in off uh, a couple of wins, crazy wins and uh, look to maybe be spoilers this weekend against the Niners back at home at Levi's Stadium. Uh, The 49ers come in a little banged up. The Falcons are banged up. It is a game that the Niners should win, Uh, should not have any excuse to drop this game. Matt, we are traveling to this game. What is going on, buddy?
1: Man, I am just counting down the days, hours, whatever it is. Get me through this work week. I'm ready to get out, catch my first game at Levi's, get a chance to interact with everybody. Uh, Not just me and you are heading out there. Uh, your your boy, Fernando, is going to be there. A bunch of the Hub guys from 49ers Hub, where I do some writing, they're all going to be there. It's going to be a really fun weekend. But, you know, to to help us set up the game, we're bringing in one of the smoothest voices in all podcasting. <laughs> we got our man returning back to the podcast. Welcome back, Brooks Austin of Bulldog Maven from Sports Illustrated. Brooks, how you doing, brother?
0: I'm doing wonderful, man. And I've always been told throughout my whole life, I got a face and a voice for radio. So, luckily, the to people <laughs> today... Will just be hearing me; they won't be seeing me. But man, I love being on the Fourth and Gold podcast. I'm I'm glad every time you guys uh, send out an invitation for me to join uh, one of the best up and coming podcasts here in the NFL landscape, and I'm proud to be on it.
2: Well, we appreciate that. Um, like Brooke said, this is the Fourth and Gold podcast. I'm Javi. That is Matt. Uh, catch us on any podcast platform, and then follow us on Twitter at Fourth and Gold Podcast. Uh, the Niners come in eleven and two, a little banged up. There are some injuries. Uh, that are piling up for this 49ers team um, who are going to be facing an Atlanta team that is still dangerous with guys like Devontae Freeman, Julio Jones, and Matt Ryan, you know, former MVP, um, and the familiarity with Kyle Shanahan. Uh, Brooks, tell me what's what's going on in Atlanta. What is, what is the deal with this Atlanta Falcons team, 4-9, uh, with all that talent um, to, you know, to come off, break off three wins out of their last five, I think it is. What What's going on there?
0: Yeah, So, I mean, one in seven headed into the bye week this season, and it's been a similar storyline to last year. I mean, they lose their number one and heart and soul of that defense in Keanu Neal last year to a knee injury this year uh, to an Achilles injury. So when you lose one of your best players and certainly one of your biggest leaders on the defensive end, it's been soul crushing. But since that bye week, Javi, you mentioned, I mean, they've won three out of their last five. And, you know, I think that's a big testament to what these players Uh, think of head coach Dan Quinn look those guys the last two seasons in the back half of both seasons they've been playing and winning for their head coach to keep his job so I mean it just again kind of shows you what kind of a players coach Dan Quinn is but you know I was looking at the injury report today I mean defensively they've been atrocious all year long 30th in the league in sacks and um, you know they've been they've been banged up all year long as well as of today They had 12 defensive players listed on their injury report. So Mm. you only get to travel. I think you get to dress, what, 53 uh, in NFL football or something along those lines. And, hey, assumably half of those are defense. Well, you know, you you lose 12 of your best defenders uh, no matter who they are, no matter how deep you are. uh, You're going to struggle to stop football teams.
1: Yeah, and and you mentioned Dan Quinn. So let's just kind of just jump right to that, right? You said they played hard enough to save his job last year. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you think they've played hard enough to save his job this year, or do you think they move on from him in the offseason?
0: I really do think Arthur Blank's going to have a hard time going into that, you know, team in that locker room and telling them that they're getting rid of Dan Quinn. But to be honest with you, I don't think he really has an option. I mean, like we talked about last year, you know, a litany of injuries, same thing this year. But when you're a defensive coordinator, you got that job as a defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn. You know, notoriously came from that Seattle defense out there, uh, you know, and since his time taking over it, you know, for the Atlanta Falcons, they've been relatively decent their first two years there under him on the defensive end. And in the last couple of years, they've just flat out haven't played very well, to be honest with you guys. And going into this season, Dan Quinn said he was going to be calling the defensive plays. He was going to be the full, uh, you know, guy on the chopping block for the defense's performance And when you do that kind of stuff, when you make that kind of statement, when you make that kind of gamble on yourself and your unit just doesn't come out and perform very well. I believe last time I checked, they were, you know, in the bottom eight, nine in the league in points per game, allowing just over 24. So the defense hasn't been great. And it's been a direct response, um, you know, from the head coach who took it all on his shoulders this offseason. So I think if he does get fired, if and when he does get fired, that's the sole purpose uh, it's a similar thing we saw with Dirk Cutter uh, down there in Tampa. The offense wasn't really good. You're an offensive coach. If your offense isn't good and you're the head coach, you've got to go. Uh, and I think something similar is going to be happening here soon in Atlanta,
2: yeah, right after the bye week, the uh, defensive play calling got like distributed to three different guys. That just doesn't seem like a, a recipe for success. You know, you're 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 doing things like that. Um, my my biggest thing this year is surprising is is the run game the lack thereof of a run game for the Falcons. Devonte Freeman is having possibly his worst year, 141 attempts, 506 yards, one touchdown rushing. Um, Brian Hill not doing much. Ito Smith injured, um, and just not much production out of the run game. Is that more of a testament to the uh, the lack of the offensive line play, or is it just maybe Devonte Freeman isn't all the way back from his injuries?
0: Yeah, look, you you don't end up 30th in the league in rushing. Uh, without bad offensive line play and a lot of that has to do with their number one overall draft pick chris lynch from struggling to be healthy this year look that guy is a road grader he is in that system to be an effective run blocker and caleb mcgarry's cut from a similar cloth their their other first round draft pick from last year both of them have kind of struggled with health though mcgarry's played a lot this year and he showed some promise there at the right tackle position but you know a lot of it does have to do with offensive line play look since they're you know, Super Bowl trip, that offensive line's only gotten worse uh, and only got, you know, failed to stay healthy. You know, they were one of the few teams in the NFL to have, you know, a consistent starting lineup that year. They went into the Super Bowl, and since then, it's been anything but. It's kind of been a revolving door at a lot of positions outside of Alex Mack, the center there, um, who's still, I personally believe, one of the better centers uh, in professional football, but he can't do it all by himself. And to be honest with you, I think Jake Matthews is kind of taking a step back over the last couple of years Uh the first round pick out of Texas A&M a handful of years back. They just gave him a big time uh, contract. So we've kind of seen a downfall after that big money came in. But to be honest with you, it's not a really explosive backfield anymore with since Tevin Coleman has left and now wearing, you know, the red and gold out there for you guys, there is no big playability at the tailback position. Granted Hill Has some, you know, top-end speed, but they just haven't had an uh, an opportunity to get into open space and show that kind of stuff. So, long answer, but bottom line, if you lose the point of attack, if you lose the line of scrimmage, which they've done on both sides. They've been awful at stopping the run this year, uh, 18th in the league in rushing yards uh, allowed per game. And like we talked about it, they're not getting after the quarterback 30th in sacks and 30th in rushing yards per game. So, not winning at the line of scrimmage on either side of the football that is not a key to success in NFL football.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, offensive line runs everything, right? Defensive and offensive lines run everything for for most teams. And and Kyle Shanahan even in, got into it uh, this week when he talked about the 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 most recent Super Bowl winners, and he talked about you know the Eagles, the Broncos, teams like the Giants when they beat the Patriots back in back in. Uh, Oh, seven. I mean, you look at all these dominant teams. It all started up front on the defensive line for them.
2: Absolutely. And
1: uh, you 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 mentioned it earlier, 30th and sacks. How is this Atlanta defensive line? How are they coming together? And can they take advantage of, you know, a banged up 49ers offensive line? Weston Richburg goes down for the year. They lose their center. You mean look at Ben Garland to back him up. Joe Staley dealing with a litany of injuries. Mike McGlinchey finally coming back and starting to play like the first round pick he was and how we saw him play last year as a rookie. You know, can their defensive line step up and, and take advantage of these?
0: You know, in the last couple of games, three, you know, those games they've won, it's really not – I mean, obviously you want to get after the quarterback, but they have to get after the quarterback, especially because their back end is so banged up, and they're just not that good, to be honest with you. On the back end, they run a lot of cover three, and they pretty much – what they line up in is what they're going to play throughout the game. So if you're going to line up, snap in and snap out, and let the opponent know exactly what you're going to do, You have to get after the quarterback, and they've done a decent job in the football games that they've won this season. So if you're sitting down watching the football game Sunday between the Niners and the Falcons and you start to realize that Jimmy Garoppolo's being put under pressure early, it's probably not a very good sign because this season, quarterback hits and quarterback pressures have led to a direct uh, level of success for the Falcons. So again, the few games they have won, they've been able to get after the passer, but Nonetheless, it's been a disappointing season, and they they just don't have that many playmakers there on the defensive end left uh, to get after the passer. Look, Vic Vic Beasley kind of is what he is at this point. I mean, he had the great season a couple years back in that Super Bowl run, but he's been a shell of himself since. And Grady Jarrett, I mean, when's the last time we've heard Grady Jarrett's name in the national media and national spotlight? I mean, he's one of the more underrated players in the NFL, um, but, again, a guy who was paid heavily – and paid well this offseason, and he's just not, you know, I mean, he's not there to put up sacks from the inside, you know, defensive tackle position, but they just don't have the guys, bottom line, uh, as of late, to be getting after the passer.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with you on the defensive line for the Falcons. Vic Beasley, Grady Jarrett, Edian Colburn, uh, Claiborne, excuse me, Uh, none of them have more than nine uh, tackles for loss. None of them have more than six sacks. Um, it's just a lack of production on the defensive line, and Tack McKinley, the first rounder, not doing much. And then Vic Beasley, like you said, he's kind of falling off a cliff there. Um, there was a lot of talk at the trade deadline that he could be on, you know, be on the move and things like that. Um, you know, we take him. Yeah, and that's the and that's the other thing. You know, you you have a 27 year old. Who's gonna who's gonna re- uh, rehabilitate that guy or get him back mm-hmm. to where he was in the Super Bowl year? But uh, the one consistent player on this team is you know. The future Hall of Famer, Julio Jones, you know, he's still having a heck of a year. I mean, his touchdown numbers aren't going to, you know, blow you away, uh, which has kind of been the, the deal with Julio the last couple of years. But 69 receptions, 1,016 yards, um, he, he's, he's still in a matchup nightmare. Um, and now with Calvin Ridley, is there a second guy, um, since Ridley's gone, is there a second guy that, that, that Matt Ryan can— Target or you know exploit because the Niners are down Richard Sherman and Zakowski Tart this weekend.
0: I mean, put it this way: Olamide Zacchaeus last week got his first reception in his NFL career and took it 93 yards. So to be honest with you, it's kind of just like Julio and then a bunch of guys you've never heard of with Calvin Ridley out especially. I mean, there's there's Hardy who Justin Hardy a couple of years ago was strictly in a special teams role. And now he's, you know, sixth or seventh in total receptions. I mean, if it's not going to be Julio, it's going to be Austin Hooper at the tight end position. After that, it's pretty much who can win that specific matchup. They're not going into Saturday's game, put it this way, Javi, with a list of guys and a list of plays dialed up for a certain guy to get off. It's basically going to be Julio's going to win. Julio's questionable. Sunday, by the way. So we don't even know if he's going to play at this point. But assuming he does, it starts with Julio. And then after that, it's are you open on that specific play? Um, and, and at that point, Matt Ryan might throw you the football. But if I were Matt Ryan, I would probably force it into double hell, triple coverage to Julio, because, you know, that's probably your best odds at this point.
1: Yeah, he's going to have to try and force feed it to Julio to to get the offense going for them. Uh the Niners run defense hasn't been super great, but, you know, we already covered the Falcons inability to run the ball. Uh, Javi touched on it. Richard Sherman's gonna be missing this game. Probably at least one more. Uh, you know, the Niners want to get healthy for the playoff push. There's no sense in in playing guys in a game like this. You're at home. You have momentum. This might be the Kyle Shanahan revenge game. Right. You know, because everybody kind of wanted to pin the uh, Super Bowl loss on Shanahan's play calling. And, mm-hmm. and we, we've seen a lot. We've seen a little bit of that here this year. With Forty ers fans, where where the close games that Shanahan doesn't win, a lot of people want to peg it on on him. Uh, from an outside perspective, as someone that watched him the first round, the first time in Atlanta, do you have an issue with his play calling late in games, or is it you okay with his aggressive style?
0: I wish we were on video right now because you'd see my face. I have no problem <laughs> with anything Kyle Shanahan ever does offensively, nor would I ever question it. Look. <laughs> this is one of the it's one of the brightest football minds, you know, that we have available in this world nowadays. And you want to talk about everyone want to talk about Sean McVay and everyone wanted to go out and hire Sean McVay's coffee boy and so- Sean McVay's sideline helper to bring him in and give him a little bit of that wisdom and a little bit of that knowledge. And guess what? Sean McVay's, you know, pretty much crapped out now nowadays. And, you know, who isn't struggling to put up points in football games. That's Kyle Shanahan. Look, when he did what he did with C.J. Beathard and and, and Nick Mullins at the quarterback position, anyone who is anyone that questions that man and his ability again to call an offensive football game just needs to go away and probably needs to retire from giving opinions. That's that's my opinion. I mean, because, again, (laughs) one of one of the greatest offensive minds there is available. Yeah, he's going to be a little bit aggressive in the second half. Yeah, he probably should have ran the ball a few more times in the Super Bowl when you're up 25 points. But guess what? They hadn't been dominating on the run or in the run game all season. They had gotten there by being one of the most explosive football teams the NFL has ever seen. Literally, it's the greatest show on turf. Those Rams teams, and then that Atlanta Falcons team that they put together back in 2016. So, I mean, long story short, long answer put short. I don't ever question Kyle Shanahan because again, who the hell am I to question Kyle Shanahan?
2: <laughs> yeah, that's kind of where I stand on it. Um you know, we we talked in the offseason about this Niners record where where they could be, you know, at the end of the year, we I think we all kind of were sitting on that 9-7, 10-6 mm-hmm. um 10-6 range. Now they're at 11-2. Are you surprised that this team has gotten to this point where, you know, during the of the year, oh, they haven't played anybody, and then they go, you know, then they have a little bit tougher games, then they start blowing teams out. Um, when did you, you know, you may have had a, maybe you were skeptical too, but did you ever have a change of heart in, in the middle of the season, like, okay, these guys are for real, or were you still kind of, you know, skeptical on them going uh, into that I mean, no, Seahawks I mean, game, things like that?
0: I mean, five games in, five, six games in, when they had one of the best, you know, statistical defenses in terms of secondary play. Um, that was my only question headed into the season. Is yeah, I know you have Richard Sherman, but are any of those other guys going to make a massive leap and take a leap forward in terms of their play and production? And every single one of them has done that. Look, I, you guys had multiple games where you held ha- held quarterbacks to below 150 yards passing, and you know whether or not you know when I mean weather, I mean actual weather. Whether you're in bad games, rainy games, none of that matters to me. If you're going out day in or week in and week out and shutting offenses down through the air, something that nobody in, in the game of football nowadays is truly doing. Um, when I started seeing that defensive back uh, group and core play the way that they have. And then obviously you add on top of that what Bosa has been able to do in his rookie year. I know he's been banged up as of late, um, but, you know, I, I solely expected that guy to come in and, and be an all around defensive end. I did not expect him to just flash in terms of being able to get after the passer like he had. I knew he was going to be, you know, pretty talented and pretty in-depth when it comes to his moves and what he's able to do. But to come out and literally, you know, do J.J. Watt type of stuff uh, is something that I didn't expect off the bat. But I will tell you this. I think the San Francisco 49er faithful should be absolutely thankful and and pray to their lucky stars every single day that the Arizona Cardinals ended up taking (laughs) Kyler Murray because, you know, Bosa being there at number two, I think John Lynch had no choice other than to take him. Uh, And to be honest with you, everything else he's done this offseason didn't really pan out. I mean, how's the Quan Alexander thing panning out? I know he played well, but again, you sign a guy with a knee injury and a a history of being injury prone, and he's probably going to get injured. Um, So, I mean, he didn't have to hit on everything. But he hit on what, you know, he needed to hit on, which was that number two overall pick and uh, whatever he's done in that back end. I know Lynch himself is a, is a former safety and one of my favorite ever to watch. But whatever the hell they've done coaching up that back end, uh, my hat's off to those guys. They're playing exceptional this year. But that, to me, was the changing point in, in my perspective of the San Francisco 49ers this year.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you brought up John Lynch and some of the moves he made this offseason. You know, Quan Alexander, he was playing at an extremely high level. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I said on Twitter uh, earlier this week that – Quan Alexander ended the Carolina Panthers' season when he told them to get their sorry asses off the field.
0: Oh, dude, I loved that. That was because so that team funny. has
1: not been the same since. So I actually don't hate the Quan Alexander move. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a repeat injury, you know. It's it's something completely different. So I'm okay with that. But some of the smarter moves Lynch did make. He locked up Raheem Mostert on a three-year deal for pretty cheap. When mm-hmm. it looks at, when you look at running back deals, I mean, you saw the money that Atlanta paid to Devontae Freeman, and he's not paying out, panning out. No. And then you look at Bringing back somebody that me and Javi didn't like this move in the offseason. We didn't like it. But bringing back Jimmy Ward is the only safety move
0: Mm. really
1: the team made. And Jimmy Ward has been playing. He's had a career season. He's playing extremely high level. Uh, I think John Lynch made some smart moves in the offseason. I think he made some questionable ones. But, you know, at the end of the day, the team is playing very well. So the last question we got for you. Before we get into a prediction, is what do you think is the number one key matchup that just separates the men from the boys in this week's game?
0: I mean, anyone could go, you know, front line of scrimmage and whatnot, all that. my my the thing I'm looking forward to seeing this the uh, the most in Sunday's matchup is, does Kyle Shanahan come out with more of a vanilla offense, knowing that in a couple of weeks he's gonna go into a playoff atmosphere and and is he gonna hide, basically? His best plays look every every football player and anybody who knows football knows that offensive coordinators don't really like to show on film in week one what they're going to be doing in week four against a division rival. The same thing plays into the case when you're you know week 14 week 15 you're playing an Atlanta Falcons team that you know you're better than Um, they're all banged up you're all banged up is Kyle Shanahan really going to go out here and try to put up 35 points I don't believe so. I think he pretty much shot his wad last week uh, there in New Orleans, (laughs) and he absolutely had to. I mean, that was a game where, you know, you have to win. I I don't understand how they're in a critical situation. Everyone inside the Superdome knows George Kittle's getting the football, and somehow he still manages to get the football. I think that right there is a testament to what kind of play caller Kyle Shanahan is. Everyone in that building knew uh, George Kittle was getting the football. And granted, George Kittle ended up just dragging half of the New Orleans Saints defense with him along that play for about 30 yards. But I think that's the key matchup. Is Kyle Shanahan really going to come out and give the full offense or are they going to be as vanilla as possible? And personally, I don't believe it's going to matter. I know we talked about how hard these guys are playing for Dan Quinn, but I I think there's way too much talent, way too much speed uh, and explosiveness there on that 49ers offense for it to even matter. I think. The San Francisco 49ers can line up and run stretch outside zone until they are blue in the face, and they'll (laughs) average about six yards a carry. I mean, that's that's, just what it is.
2: That's a welcoming sign. Now, um, one thing, I I was listening to KNBR this morning. Uh, Matt Mayoko is a local beat writer for the Niners, and uh, like you said, I I was the same way. I I saw Kyle empty the clip on the Saints, and then Matt Matt Mayoko had a quote (laughs) from Kyle Juszczyk. He said, no, there's plenty more. We're going to pull some more stuff out this week. I'm like Jesus Christ. How how deep is this playbook? <laughs> um, but deep. I'm with you. I'm with you, man. I'd rather them not show a whole bunch of stuff and save it for the Rams game, save it for the Seattle game, um, and do things like that. Um, I got one question left before you get out of here. It's uh, college football playoff, man. You're a college football guy. Uh, you know you got Clemson, LSU, you got Ohio State, and um, who's the other team that's playing? Oklahoma and you Oklahoma. flip those. So yeah, yeah. I don't LSU, like Oklahoma.
0: LSU oh. will play Oklahoma, Clemson will play Ohio State. So um who you got in the final know.
2: who you got in the final two?
0: So I think Clemson, oh man. Does Ohio State I, uh, the the real question is who wins that Ohio State Clemson game? And yeah. um, you know, I think I think Ohio State is the more battle-tested football team and the more complete football team. So I'll take Ohio State by a field goal in that football game. I've got LSU, man, if you're a gambling person, I don't care if the over is 85 points in that LSU-Oklahoma game. Pound it and put the mortgage on it. Look, those two teams <laughs> are going to score a crap ton of points, LSU especially. That Oklahoma offense, it's its two big 12 offenses. One just has SEC caliber talent on it in LSU. Yeah. So yeah. I think LSU wins that game by 20 points, and I'm I'm thinking it's like a 55-35 football game. Uh, and the other one, I, I really don't know what the score exactly is going to be. I'm just going to have to take Ohio State because, again, I think they're the more battle tested football team. Look, Clemson hasn't played a very good football team all season. I mean, it's it's well documented how poor their schedule has been. But a lot of that is a testament to what they're doing in the ACC. It looks a lot like uh, what Alabama did in the late 2000s and on into the early 2010s there in the SEC.
2: Yeah. Last one. Last one real quick. Uh, Trevor Lawrence
0: or Joe Burrow? Oh, Joe Burrow, dude. That guy uh, is a god. If you watch him, I mean, it's it's and and here's the deal. If you want to know if someone knows what football is or what, you know, if they're smart uh at, at evaluating talent or anything like that, anybody that's out here with these Joe Burrow's the next Tom Brady stuff, um, just mark them off your list as someone who doesn't know what they're talking about. You yeah. find me a clip in the 20, what? Uh, let's call it 47-year career that Tom Brady's (laughs) had at this point. You find me a clip where that dude is leaving outside linebackers that run four sixes in the 40 and doing it casually. I'm talking about, like, looks like he's jogging and just leaving dudes outside the pocket. Um, There's not a better player uh, quarterback there that is uh, in college football than Joe Burrow. The best player in college football, Chase Young, and that dude is scary. I got a chance to meet him. Last night. And honestly, I've told I told my wife this today. That is the biggest football player I've ever seen. I mean, he stands up and it's just I mean, you got to look at him. He looks like an avatar. It doesn't look real.
1: <laughs> so, all right. Well, uh, we're, we're on the college subject. So I'm going to hit you with one more. How surprised were you that Alabama didn't find its way into the final four just because they're Alabama and just because every team kind of laid an egg in, in in the last week of the season?
0: Yeah, so I think I saw a stat last week after that 48 to 45 loss there to Auburn. I think uh, Nick Saban's like Owen 3 in uh Jordan Hare Stadium when the Tigers were ranked. Um yeah. so yep. and to be honest with you, it it is it goes back to who's the best four teams, right? It's not who are the most four, you know the four most deserving football teams anymore. It's who's the best four teams. And I truly believe if Tua Tagovailoa were still healthy and on that football team, there's no way you could try to argue that they wouldn't be one of the best four teams. And if you want to argue with that, I mean, all you have to do is say, look, two is playing right now. Hypothetical uh, is Alabama favored over Clemson. If two is healthy, well, you'd probably say yes. Are they favored over Oklahoma? You'd probably say absolutely. Are they favored over LSU? No, they lost. Are they favored over Ohio state? No. So that makes them one of the best four teams hypothetically uh, if two is still healthy, but You know, the fact of the matter is you go into Jordan-Hare, you lose that football game to a freshman quarterback. Granted, you threw two pick sixes in the football game. It doesn't matter. You lost. Um, And for those people out there that are trying to, you know, fight for an eight-team playoff, look, we have eight-team playoffs all the time in college football. Every single Saturday is a must-win situation. And if you don't believe me, look at the Pac-12 championship and watch Utah go play uh, in a New Year's Six Bowl. Instead of uh, playing in a college football playoff. Mm.
2: Mm. Couldn't have it better myself. You know that's. Uh, and you know for Niners fans, you know I, I know it, we we we're all about the 49ers, but uh, for those of you who really dig into the draft, there's gonna be a lot of pro prospects in these uh, near six games and the college football playoffs. So tune in. Uh, the Niners are gonna be looking for a few spots this draft. So go ahead and start taking your notes. Uh, I know. Come draft time, we are definitely going to talk to Brooks about this upcoming draft class.
0: Absolutely. I would love to be on here. Uh, and one guy who I absolutely know for a fact, John Lynch, would trade the farm for Isaiah Simmons. Look out for him against Clemson, one of the best oh, yeah. players in college football, and would fit in perfectly uh, for what that 49ers defense is you know, still lacking, which is a dynamic, and I mean dynamic, football player on the defensive end.
1: All right, so the last thing we got to get from you, back back to 49ers football, back to back, Falcons back, football, back, back. <laughs> who you got on Sunday?
0: 31-17, San Francisco 49ers. Uh, so for those of you that are gambling aficionados, that means they probably will cover. Uh, yeah, I don't think, uh, you know, like I said earlier, I think San Francisco can come out, decide that they're going to run 11 personnel. And Or a matter of fact, let's call it, you know, a little fullback. Get you check in there and they could probably run outside zone until they're blue in the face and win by two scores. I, I don't think it's a very, um, you know, sound defense there from the Atlanta Falcons. And I think there's, you know, yards to be had there. Now, granted, <laughs> Atlanta's going to try to put up some points Saturday. Uh, Matt Ryan is in no way, shape, or form in tank mode. Um, and over the last two seasons, I think he's played – some of his more inspired football uh, of his career. So it's not going to be an easy one uh, to start the football game, but I think once things start getting rolling, uh, it'll be a problem. Look, the Atlanta Falcons defense is typically built on speed. That's what Dan Quinn's trying to do. Um, But with all the injuries out there and with the level of speed that San Francisco plays with, I think they're the fastest offensive unit in in professional football right now. Uh, I think all of that bodes poorly for the Atlanta Falcons. A big-time win uh, out there in uh, San Francisco for you guys.
2: Yeah, I, I I would agree. I think the Niners are going to handle business. Plus, I'm going to be in attendance. I haven't lost a game at Levi's or at Candlestick, so I think I, I might have that one on lock there. Um, but, yeah, you know, for everyone out there, go ahead and check Brooks. Go ahead and uh, plug yourself, man. Let the people know where they can find you, follow, wherever you can find all your work.
0: Yeah, so on Twitter, you can check me out, Brooks Austin. SI, that's Brooks Austin SI, as in Sports Illustrated. Uh, And for those of you who are interested in college football, you know, there are actually people in this world that cheer for both the San Francisco 49ers and the Georgia Bulldogs. I have a couple of those followers uh, on Twitter. So I don't know how that type of concoction ends up coming about, but it has for a couple of people. So if there are some Georgia Bulldog fans out there, you can check all of my writings out over there at SI.com forward slash college, forward slash Georgia. And you know what? If you're not a Georgia fan, good news. Sports Illustrated has team sites uh, for pretty much every Power 5 football team out there nowadays. And if they we don't have one, we are quickly filling that role. So uh, something Sports Illustrated is doing for the first time in their illustrious history, which is sending knuckleheads like me out to local teams uh and covering them man and covering the beat well so we're doing some good stuff over there and again that's si.com forward slash college forward slash georgia no caps
1: (laughs) no caps hey brooks thank you very much for joining us my man it's always a pleasure to have you on here always happy when we get a chance to sit down and talk with you you know we appreciate you coming on brother
0: no doubt, man anytime i can run my suck i am here to do it we appreciate (laughs) you guys for having us fourth and gold till i die you boys are doing a great job keep it up
2: Thank you. We appreciate you.
0: See you, man. Later.
2: All right. We want to say thank you to Brooks Austin once again for coming on with us. Uh, Always insightful. Always great to listen to. Go ahead and give him a follow. Check out his work. Um, He does an excellent job uh, over there. The Niners are home. And me, Matt, and our buddies are going to be at this game. So Mm -hmm. if you see us. Uh, give us a shout. I don't know what parking lot I'm going to be I'm going to be in yet. I have a rental car. I haven't decided where I'm going to park. Um, anyone out there who has any tips or hints on that kind of stuff, uh, you know where to find me on Twitter. Uh, let me know where you guys are tailgating at. Or let Matt and I know where you guys are tailgating at. We'll meet you out there. Um, it's going to be dope, man. We've been talking about Niners football all season. We finally, well, I finally get to see them at home. And you get to go see them at home, but you've seen them twice already. Uh, how excited are you for this game, man?
1: I, I Like I said, like I said, the opening, man. I, I've been counting down the hours, days, whatever it is, minutes. <laughs> I am so excited to get the hell out of this Maryland weather right now because it is so bipolar. It's gone from 70 to snowing back to 70 and then freezing within the last two days. I'm so sick yeah. of this weather. Just get me out to California, and I swear if it rains on Sunday, guys, I'm never going to a 49ers game again.
2: Just never.
1: I will watch every one of them from the comfort of my own home um no i'm super excited man um and you know before we get into our stuff about the game uh in the parking lot if you find us tailgating if you find us out saturday night before but specifically when we're tailgating uh we have some of the koozies left right fourth and gold podcast koozies you come yep. find us you show us you're subscribed we'll share our location we'll throw you a koozie man so come find us come say hey come let us know what you think we care what y'all think. It, this has been a fun ride this year, and, and, and yeah. you're excited. I'm excited to finally get out and hang out with some of y'all before the game.
2: Yeah, definitely for sure. Uh, my DMs have been pretty pretty active lately. I, I've tried my best to respond to everybody. i got two sick kids at the house, so if he didn't get a response, that's most likely why. Um, but, yeah, uh, Matt, it's not supposed to rain on Sunday supposed okay. was rain Friday. Good thing we're both flying in Saturday. Yep. Um, and we'll be out and out. I was gonna shoot up to San Francisco, but I guess the idea, better idea, is to hang out in Santa Clara, San Jose um, on Saturday night, and you know, and do the damn thing out there. Um, but the, you know, we talked about it with Brooks. The Niners are banged up, and the IR list is growing. Just something I want to touch on here. You know, Sellick, Goodwin, Street, Verrett, Alexander, Blair, Sean Coleman, Flanagan, Foles, uh, Harris, Hurd. Lauderdale, McKinnon, uh, Devontae Moore, Poindexter, Richburg, Trent Taylor. I know folks saw that list today and started spazzing out. But when you really dig deep into that list, uh, losing Alexander Blair and Richburg are most likely the biggest three losses on the season. The Niners have survived. The season without the other gentlemen, and that's not to be disrespectful to those guys. So I would just calm down on the panic, um, and now just add DJ Jones to that. So the four yeah. big, those are really four big losses. The other guys, not saying that they aren't important to this team or anything. It's just the Niners have played thirteen games without them, so that's right. kind of where I'm kind of going going with that. It's um, uh, it's it's uh, you know, it's not the end of the world with some of these injuries, but the the ones that we do have. Are pretty significant going into this game
1: yeah absolutely the DJ Jones going on IR today is a big loss we're recording Thursday night Uh, it's it's, it's a big loss look the the Niners have switched over to the wide nine and and they've been getting gashed in the run game from time to time and in the one consistent for them has been DJ Jones the defensive line is very clearly better against the run when he's in the game Now, you really have to hope that guys like Sheldon Day, who's had kind of a down season after we've seen some bright spots from him, and then Solomon Thomas, these guys are going to have to step up and really start to play like their draft position because Sheldon Day, also an early-round pick. I believe he's a third-round pick for the Jaguars. So these guys have high draft position. It's time to start living up to it. You can't continue to be getting outplayed by undrafted guys, by late-round guys. Play like your draft position because the 49ers – are going to need it moving forward. They might not need it much this week. This might be a get-well week. But they're going yeah. to need it the last two weeks of the year. Look, the Rams are coming back on. They're coming back on strong. They got Dallas this week. And then, of course, the all-important game, Week 17, in Seattle. You know they're going to want to run the ball. So the, the defensive line really has some things to figure out, and, and I'm hoping they can use this week as a momentum builder.
2: Yeah, you know, being 11-2, you know, you have the luxury of, uh, you know, kind of taking a little bit easy at this point. But this is not a team that you want to sleep on. You know, we did just talk to Brooks about it. But, you know, it's still those guys uh, strap up their chin strap like the other guys on the Niners. So they're going to come out ready to roll. And, you know, they are fighting for their head coach. And that's, you know, sometimes it's an underrated story. Um, the Falcons, you know, they have been playing some better ball as of late. So the Niners, hopefully they don't sleep on them or anything like that, uh, which basically leads me right into my um, first key to the game. Um, this coaching staff, this coaching staff has done a wonderful job all season. Uh, this gauntlet of sorts that the Niners have gone through has been a three-game streak stretch of playoff atmosphere type games. And, you know, getting these guys up and ready and well-prepared for the Packers, the Ravens, the Saints, you play a blowout game versus the Packers uh, on your home field. You go into a tough, uh, gritty three-point loss against the Ravens. And then you go into a shootout with the Saints and win by th- uh, win by two there. Um, and then just to come home and have kind of like a letdown opponent, you know, being the Falcons at 4-9. Um, the coaching staff hopefully is keeping these guys focused, not letting them get into that term. You know, the trap game um, is the mentality that I don't want this team to come out with.
1: Yeah, this is one they can't afford to lose. Look, Seattle just gifted them a one-game lead in the NFC NFC West. They just took control of the NFC from the Saints. You can't be going in and having a major letdown here this week. They can't have it. It's very important, very very important that they come through with a win here. Mm-hmm. They are double-digit favorites. I think the point yeah. of the spread right now is at eleven. You yeah, know, I'm not saying they have to go out and they have to beat them by. Yeah, they don't have to cover. They can win by one point. I don't care. They just cannot lose this football game. And my number one thing that I think is going to prevent that, Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel is putting together a fantastic rookie year. Fantastic rookie year. You look at the rookie wide receivers across the NFL this year, it's very solid class. Everyone's so hyped up about the 2020 class coming in. But I'll tell you what, the 2019 class is putting together a really solid rookie campaign. These guys are playing really well, and I think that Debo Samuel has been one of the most underrated guys as far as the rookie class goes. He's a little bit of a do-it-all. We've seen him run the ball. We've seen him, we've seen him pitch the ball to, to Emmanuel Sanders, and we've seen him catch some passes. I think it's going to be a key for him to get going early and beat this really banged-up secondary that, that the Falcons are rolling in with.
2: Yeah, Debo is um, fifth in yards as a rookie. So that's you know, that's a plus for this Niners excuse me, for this Niners offense to have that. Um, you know, DK and AJ Brown, Terry McLaren, Darius, Darius Slayton, and then Debo have been balling. So, um, Debo being a big part of this offense is huge for this game. The secondary for the the Falcons is a bit banged up and um, you know, that's something that hopefully the Niners can exploit going into this week. Excuse me, I'm I'm trying to fight off some sneezing, if you heard that. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, Debo has been excellent. He's come on strong since e- Emmanuel Sanders has arrived. Um, you know, the Niners lost Marquise Goodwin this week. <clears throat> so it really has become the Emmanuel, Debo, and Kendrick Bourne show mm-hmm. on offense as the receivers. Who would have thought at this point in the year that those three guys would be the ones? You know, beginning of the year, a lot of us were thinking Pettis, Herd, and Debo. And it's just Debo, Sanders, and Bourne. Yeah, well, I mean, even Trent Taylor was one of the big ones
1: coming in, you know, into training camp. Um, but Pettis was obviously someone I thought was going to be a big. Goodwin's another guy. Goodwin done for the year. Pettis, uh, maybe we'll see him on Sunday. You know, maybe the score gets uh, big enough that maybe he makes an appearance. That really yeah. seems to be the only time he gets on the field now is when the game's out of hand because I don't think he played a single snap against the Saints.
2: Um, no, he was uh, he wasn't. Inact- I think he was inactive for well, the Saints
1: game. There you go, there you go. Yeah. Um, so you know, it, like like I said, Debo Debo has to get it going, and he has to be that that little bit of everything guy. Another thing Debo does, he reminds me of a Michael Crabtree, but faster. Just because he 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 is he, a big kind of he's like a he's bigger than he seems, right? He plays bigger than he looks. But he's got really top-end speed. Another thing Debo does is he blocks really well in the run game. And I know we've seen Kendrick Bourne be a guy that stepped up and blocked. But but down the field, Debo's a very good blocker. And if the Niners are going to bust this one wide open and be able to coast to a win, it's going to come with some big runs from Mostert or Coleman or Breda or whoever has a hot hand this week. And it, the downfield blocking is going to be a big part of that.
2: Yeah, most definitely. The Niners, they, you know, I, they, I think – a lost our a lost fact about the Saints game is uh the Niners ran the ball pretty well against the Saints and mm-hmm. they should be able to run the ball pretty well against the Falcons who are lacking on defense this season. They're you know, bottom bottom third or bottom lower half of the uh of of the NFL and defense on rushing and, and pass defense. Um which would lead to my second uh key to victory is the 49ers secondary. The forty nine secondary has been really good all year, but they are missing two big pieces. Uh Chiquaski Tart And Richard Sherman this week. There is a man named Julio Jones on the other side of the field. Um, He scares the living hell out of me. um, As most fans who watch enough football should know, Uh, Julio is probably the best wide receiver in football. Uh, You can have that debate about Michael Thomas and Julio, whatever you want to do there. But, it's, you know, Apple, you know, it's, it's what pick your, you know, just pick your flavor of the week mm-hmm. uh, with Julio or Michael. But Julio Jones is still an elite wide receiver um, playing against two young corners, and that can be a problem. So the secondary uh, needs to step up this week. Marcel Harris needs to take better angles, tackle better. Uh, Akella Witherspoon, keep doing what you're doing. I don't think he's doing anything uh, incorrect at all. Emmanuel Mosley, keep playing uh, surprising football as an undrafted free agent. And then Jimmy Ward, you know, just being that security blanket, um, that safety net, that eraser on the back end of this defense to, you know, save a lot of uh explosive plays from by his tackling or taking the right angle mm-hmm. or stopping things right when they get, you know, stopping a receiver right when they get the ball. Uh Julio is a big man. That's a big man to take down. So that's that's the biggest one here. Now I know he was uh limited in practice today with a shoulder. He may or may not play. So um part of me wants him to play because I've never seen well, no, I have seen Julio play, but I have I guess I've never really paid attention because I was too drunk the last time I saw the Falcons and the Niners. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was the Chip Kelly year. We got blown out. I went to Atlanta to watch that game. and uh, Yikes. I just said, beer man, the entire time. So uh did a whole bunch of dilly-dilly that weekend. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, no, the defensive secondary needs to step up, especially because the Niners' defensive line is starting to get banged up. And, you know, you lose guys – Ronald Blair, DJ Jones, Demontre Moore, D Ford is out this week. You know, you need to have secondary hold up their end. That way, the pass rush can get home a little bit faster. You know, if they take a little bit longer to get there, uh, the secondary is holding up. So, that's part of it. Having those two in concert is ideal.
1: Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. And I'm, I'm going to keep beating this drum until he starts to get the respect he deserves. But Jimmy Ward has had a fantastic year. Yeah. We talked about it earlier. I'm going to beat it again. We were wrong. We said they need to go out and make a bigger move and a bigger splash, and Jimmy Ward isn't the answer, but Jimmy Ward has been the answer this year.
0: Yeah. He has been been the answer
1: in in, in the back half of the secondary, and he's not getting the respect he deserves. Uh, I'm guilty of this. People just want to see him go down and immediately make Jimmy Ward injury jokes, which are really easy jokes to make, but he has been playing super well all year long. Um, you can credit him with a lot of plays in the Packers game, all the tackles he made in the Saints game, and he made some of those same tackles against the Ravens as well. Uh, but, yeah, you know, Emmanuel Mosley, Keller Weatherspoon, it's time to find out what these guys are really worth without Sherman because they, they, they played without Sherman for limited amounts of time this year. But Sherman's been yeah. pretty healthy. And, you know, Kwan may play this week. He may not play this week with Chikwaski Tart also out. The secondary is banged up. They they're gonna have to keep not just Julio Jones under wraps, but also Austin Hooper, tight end, who's played uh, you know a good season. He he's a he's a good tight end. Yeah, tight ends are so hit or miss on whether they're gonna produce on a week to week basis, and anyone that plays fantasy football knows that. That unless you yeah. unless you've got the top two or three guys, you have no idea what you're gonna get out of your tight end spot. Um, and I had one key to the game. It did involve Austin Hooper. I'm gonna switch it up because we talked about injuries on the. Defensive line. I'm gonna switch it up to the offensive line. And it's gotta be Ben Garland. Yeah. He stepped up and played a huge game against the Saints. I think it was 27 pass attempts when he was in, and he only gave up one pressure. That's incredible. That's incredible against a good defense on the road, trying to get the re, you know, trying to get the feel for it in the Superdome, Super Lap. I thought he did a fantastic job against the Saints. And in order for them to have continued success, he needs to build on that. So I'm gonna make that my second key to the game. Ben Garland build on the momentum that he established in the Saints game because as it stands right now he's the center moving forward.
2: Yeah, and this game is a game that, you know, could help him too because the, you know, we talked about it with with Brooks is the pass rush for the Falcons isn't very good this year. But Grady Jarrett is still, you know, a, a high quality defensive tackle in this league. You know, that's a good challenge for him to get ready. Uh, no one's Aaron Donald. You know, that's the next that's the next one. Yep. Um, but having him prepared for that, you know, he had to deal with Rankins and Davenport and, you know, Cam Jordan at, at times last week, Um. you know, dealing with Grady Jarrett is, is another animal there. So, you know, this is, you know, this is more reps under his belt. He is a professional. He's a pro. Uh, by all accounts, his teammates have view him as a uh, competent and, and, and serviceable center and having him ready and prepared because a lot of folks have said he's been, Uh, One of the more prepared uh, guys on the team. Uh, Maybe that's just you know coach speak or you know team you you know talk, but uh, you got to take that stuff for what it is. From when it comes, to from the guys around them. Um, This team has been resilient all season, and you know losing um, Weston and bringing in Richburg. I know, I think we talked about it with Adam. You know, I was scared, like oh shit, you know. Because uh, the last time we saw Garland was against Seattle. But this but this week against the Saints, he, he held his own. He played fairly well. And I think he should be able to do the same thing this week against the Falcons, like we said, that their pass rush is lacking this year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, man, not only is it the Kyle Shanahan revenge game, it's the Benton Garland revenge game. Because he is a free agent that came from Atlanta. So I'm just excited for the revenge all the way around. Tevin Coleman, just, let's just get revenge on the Ravens, huh? Let's just see all these guys <laughs> go out and just ball out against their former team.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's it's been a fun season, man, and it's uh, it's gonna be great to get out there. Um, my last key to victory is gonna be on the other side of the line. It's the defensive line. Uh, we talked about it. The injuries have been adding up, uh, but there's a guy on here on this Forty ers team who's been through hell with this franchise the last couple of years. You know, with all the losses and the coaching changes. Um, You know, that applies for two guys, but specifically DeForest Buckner, who doesn't get enough respect in this league. Uh, Yeah, his numbers aren't what they were last year, 12 sacks last year, where he has, I want to say, five or six this year. But he's been coming up with some big fumble recoveries, forcing fumbles, Mm -hmm. doing all the dirty work. So he's been getting a lot more doubles and triple teams this year. Uh, But I think this is a game where he can kind of explode. Um, You know, the the offensive line for the Falcons isn't very good. Uh, You see everyone is primarily focused on Nick Bosa. That's fine. Go ahead and target Nick Bosa. Go ahead and target Eric Armstead. There is another man on this team. DeForest Buckner, I think, has a big game this week. This is a game where he can go ahead and get two, three sacks, you know, disrupt the backfield. The run game isn't very good for the Falcons, like we said. A a bunch of tackles for losses. Um, DeForest Buckner, you know, he's... He's up for a contract. He's up for, you know, a lot of you know accolades, pro bowls. Um, you know, he was in consideration defensive player of the year last year. He's playing out his mind, and this year he's kind of fallen to the wayside by a lot of folks because of Armstead's emergence and Nick Bosa and D Ford. He kind of gets lost in the shuffle. But I think Defoe has a big game this week and him having a big game is only gonna benefit the other guys around him. You know, then now you have to worry about Defoe, Armstead. Bosa, and, you know, you've worried about him all year, but when the guys start to get off and get momentum, things start, you know, happening, you know, week after week after week. You start piling those things up, and uh, you get a hot hand on the defensive line. Bosa had his hot hand. Armstead has his hot hand. D. Ford was hot in the beginning of the year. I think it's time for Armstead just to put the final stamp on this season in the last three weeks and uh, start this week off with a big game.
1: Yeah, as our man Eric Davis said when he joined us, confidence <laughs> comes from doing, right? Yep, confidence comes from doing. So if Buckner can 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 build that confidence, get a couple sacks here in this game, build on it in in the in the game against the Rams, and then move into dominating a team that he dominated last year in, in the Seattle Seahawks, and then go in the playoffs, this could be the first big step for him. I absolutely agree with you. Uh, I'm really hoping this is a week when Contavia Street can come back because yeah, I think looks- this is a good confidence builder for him too. Uh, I think this would be a good a good spot for him to come in and get some meaningful snaps. You know, it, it's still up in the air on whether or not he's going to be back. Kyle Shanahan said yesterday in a press conference that he has a chance to. He could see some snaps of the interior if he is back. Could see some snaps on edge. I mean, there's a whole lot of things they can do with these guys. Um, last key to the game for me. Just survive this game healthy, Please. Yes. Please, no more major injuries, no more losses, no more guys going on IR because we've seen it in in so many Super Bowl runs. It's not about who the best team is. It's not. It's who that it's it's who's the hottest and who's the healthiest. That's how these wildcard teams come in, they play kind of questionable football the first half of the year. All of a sudden, they get healthy, they get hot, they roll into the playoffs and they cruise. Right? Yeah. It's about staying healthy, and it's about being healthy late in the season. So my third key of the game, it has nothing to do with the game itself. But looking forward, just please, 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 please come out of this game healthy.
2: Yeah, coming out of this game clean is going to be huge. You know, you still have a big game versus the Rams and the Seattle game. Um, it's, it's going to be, uh, you're going to need all hands on deck. That's a Navy term. Um, (laughs) you need all hands on deck for this Rams game and the the Seahawks game going into week 16 and 17 finishing out the season strong and then week 16 games on a Saturday so it's a little bit shorter week I don't know if anyone is aware of that the Niners play the Rams next Saturday Um, so that is different but that's normal for this time of year because this is the last Thursday night game where the Jets and Ravens are playing Um, but yeah this team has to you know it would be ideal for them to come out pretty clean from this game and hopefully get the first round by, you know, that, that's going to help them out, get healthier yep. too. Mm-hmm. It'll give D Ford and Sherm and, and you know, guys like Julian Taylor, you know, the depth guys to, you know, get, get back from being banged up um, and get ready for, you know, potentially a home playoff game, the first at Levi Stadium. That'd be great. Um, but this game is going to be, I, I think it's going to be a great game. It's going to be a great time. Um, the Niners are 11-2. and two. Who would have thought, you know, we talk about it every week. You know, who would have thought? 3-0, 4-0, 5-0, you know, they get to be you know, the last undefeated team standing. And, um, you know, the type of losses that they have have always been competitive. They're just in every game they can find any way to win. Uh, this team has something to them. And I think uh, nationally they're starting to get the respect they deserve around the league and everywhere else um, with folks. But, uh, you know, prediction time, Matt. What is uh, What do you think? How do you think this game plays out?
1: It's Kyle Shanahan, like I said, it's Kyle Shanahan revenge game. I'm gonna pound this one into the ground. I think he wants to stick it to all the Falcons fans that said he is the reason they (laughs) lost the Super Bowl. Yeah. And you can say what you want about the passing, the ball, the play calling, whatever it is. Kyle Shanahan didn't blow a 25 point lead. No. He did not call the defense. He did not call prevent for way too long. He didn't do any of that stuff, right? He wasn't Julian Edelman making the catch of the century over the middle. No, he wasn't doing any of that. I think he wants to run it up a little bit. I think he wants to stay somewhat vanilla, but I think he also wants to put up points. Spreads 11. I've got them covering. I've got this one at 37, 14. The Niners just steamroll through the Falcons.
2: Yeah, I I agree with you there. Um, I had it a little bit lower, 35, um, 14, Niners pull this game out, um, and, it, you know, it's not really close at all at any point, but, um, anything can happen on any given Sunday, but I think the Niners pull this game out, go to 12 and two, secure a playoffs berth, you know, this would be the first playoff berth at Levi Stadium, um, it's been five, six years since the Niners have made the playoffs, and this is, this is a great year, it's a great team, you know, it's one of the better teams in the last, you know, 20, 25 years of the Niners, um, so you know enjoy it everybody you know we're gonna be out there this weekend like I said I fly in Saturday Matt flies in Saturday mm-hmm. uh, we're gonna be hanging around in San Jose Santa Clara hit us up you guys know where to find us on Twitter um, myself, I've given up my cell phone number to those jet individuals who've asked for it shoot me a text give me a call um, you know beers and, and food chopping it up I know the Army Navy game is on for those of you guys who watch that on Saturday I'm probably gonna find a bar and try to watch that game um, go but- Navy beat Army That's right. Go Navy beat Army. Um, But the Niners are home. They're back home. Anyone anyone going to the game? Find us. Excuse me. Find us in the parking lot. This man, my kids, bro. They keep getting me sick. Yeah,
1: if you want to get get the plague, you know, come find us in the parking lot. You can hang out with us. Uh, Really, do do, do find us. Do look us up. Um, I think I've been told I'm going to be in San Pedro Square. If you know where that is, awesome. I don't really. I'm along for the ride when we get out there with some folks that know exactly what they're doing. Yeah, it's going to be a fun time. We're excited to hang out with everybody. We're excited to get down and just watch the 49ers beat the Falcons.
2: Yeah, I don't know about Matt, but I don't do autographs. You guys just take pictures with me, whatever you want to do. You know, five dollars, five (laughs) dollars an autograph. Five dollars an autograph. Um, T-shirts are coming. We are working on that diligently. We have taken uh, most, if not everyone's uh, constructive criticism or just input on that design. It is coming. Uh, we have some things in the works that will be out. Hopefully we can get those things to folks before the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a matter of shipping and, you know, printing them and, you know, all the logistics that go to that. So, But that's that's in the works. Um, but like I said, we're going to be out there Saturday. We'll be at the game on Sunday. I'm in Section 319, of Row 1, Seat 24 and 25. Um, I don't know where you're sitting, Matt. What's your, where
1: you sitting at? I, the cheap seats. I don't know, man. Like I said, I'm along for the ride here. I think I'm up in like 418 <laughs> or something like that. Okay. Um, so I'll be the guy just like trying to throw stuff at you the whole game.
2: That sounds good too, um, but yeah, like you said, get get catch us at the at the game, catch us at, at uh, on Saturday night. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Fourth and Gold Podcast. Follow the podcast on every podcast platform that's available, and then uh, follow me on Twitter at for excuse me at Javier Vague underscore. You can follow Matt at Matt Bar underscore. And uh, you know, until we will most likely record after we get back home. Yeah, so you may not have a podcast on Sunday night. Sorry, we have to travel, um, and I am not traveling with my laptop because last time I traveled, I lost my luggage, and that's not going to happen with my laptop. Um, <laughs> so that's just a you know me being precautious. But yeah, we'll have another pod up after the game um, the next day. So for those of you who who look for that, we will get we'll keep that up, keep you posted on that. Um, but until then, Go Niners! We'll
0: see you on Saturday and Sunday. Peace.